ladies and gentlemen, goobers and ghouls, dear listeners, welcome back to Fear Boners. to Fear Boners, presented by the Down in Front Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and I am so excited. This is a very, very special episode. It's actually our one-year anniversary. Technically, the first episode was dropped on October 1st of last year, Um, so we're a little bit late. Scheduling-wise, we've been all over the place. At least I have. I just got back from Baltimore Comic-Con. I've been traveling quite a bit. Work's been kind of hectic. Not going to keep making any more excuses. We're going to get this episode out to you guys as soon as we can to celebrate the one-year anniversary of Fear Boners. And for all of you who have been listening, who are listening right now, thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts, our cold, dead, stinky little hearts. We appreciate all of you dear listeners for tuning in whenever we spit out these episodes, so thank you very much. This episode is going to have a little bit of a different format, just to give you guys a heads up. We're not going to be talking about any particular movie, specifically, as a review for this episode. In this episode, we're going to kind of go back to our roots, and we're going to basically look at the past year, talk about some of the movies that we really loved, some of the ones that were kind of just alright, some of the ones that we kind of hated, that weren't that good, that were pretty big disappointments, let's be honest, there were a few of those this year. And then we're going to get into what we're looking forward to. I mean, it's been a great year for horror. It's been really good seeing what's coming down the pipeline as well, so we're going to talk a little bit about what's coming out even in the next couple months. Obviously, October, we have some really big releases, and then even a few going into November and December. But then throughout the next year as well, there's a few things we're really, really looking forward to, so we'll talk a little bit about that as we get deeper into the episode. Um, But before we dig in, Just a heads up, dear listeners, we will be discussing some of our favorite and least favorite films from this year, so there is a good chance we will be dropping a lot of spoilers going forward, so if you haven't seen some of these movies or were looking forward to seeing some of these movies and didn't want them spoiled, make sure to check the accompanying list of movies that we're discussing in this episode to make sure that we don't accidentally spoil those for you. Now that that's out of the way, let's get started. As always, we're going to do a a little bit of what we're drinking, what we're watching. But first, I just want to, again, thank everybody for tuning in for this podcast on a regular basis. It's been a a really big thing for me uh, because at the time, as I was getting into actually recording this podcast, it was a really hard time in my life. I had just lost both of my parents um, over the past few months and also lost my job at the time. So throwing myself into this 100% really meant a lot to me just as a project to keep me busy, to keep me distracted, really focusing on something that I love, which is horror movies and kind of having that discussion ongoing with people. And I appreciate the response and I appreciate all the feedback that I get from folks who enjoy the show. So it means a lot to me. And I just want to let you guys know that I really, really, really do appreciate it. And then going forward, we will push to get more content out to you guys and do our best as always to just kind of 
cover these movies as they go, and we're always open to recommendations. And, you know, if you guys do reach out, and especially after this episode, if there are movies that I didn't mention that you might think we haven't seen or haven't thought about, definitely reach out to us and let us know, and maybe we'll get one of those movies in an episode coming forward. So... It's always exciting to get your guys' recommendations to find new and interesting things to watch, especially in the genre of horror, because you never know what to expect. There's some really weird stuff out there, and I'm into the horror, like the hard horror, but I'm also into the really weird stuff. So anything that you guys have for me, definitely send it our way. We'd love to see it, love to hear about it. And yeah, with that said, what I'm drinking right now, rolling into this episode, is some Anderson Valley Chai Solstice. Um, Anderson Valley is a brewery out in California. They're one of my favorites. Um, this is a new beer they put out. I believe it's just an ale that has some chai tea spices in it. It's pretty tasty. It's a nice sort of pumpkin-adjacent beer. So it is. it does seem like a new seasonal option that they have out there. I was pretty excited to see that at the local liquor store. Um, so I'm chugging a few of those. And as for what I'm watching, I just actually rewatched the original Halloween for the first time in a really long time to get ready for the new one coming out in a couple weeks. I'm really pumped for that movie. It's on one of our lists. We'll probably talk about it in a little bit. But um, yeah, just rewatched the original Halloween. Holds up. Super creepy. Some of the things they did in that movie were probably so mind-blowing when people went to see it for the first time. I would have loved to be in a theater in 1978 watching that movie for the first time with people and just seeing their reactions. Cause I feel like watching that movie, people were just like losing their minds in the theater because even watching it today, like sure, there's a lot of things that it does that have been overdone, but the original movie and trying to put yourself in the mindset of somebody in the seventies watching that for the first time, it was probably terrifying. So I can't wait to see what Blumhouse, John Carpenter and Jamie Lee Curtis do with this new 2018 Halloween I know it hasn't been that long since it was rebooted by Rob Zombie, but those movies were kind of eh. So this one, fully riding the hype train, and I'm hoping it doesn't go off the tracks. Or if it does, I hope it goes off the tracks in a good way, because super excited for that one. And yeah, so to dip into things, what we're going to be talking about first are some of the movies that came out over the last year that were fantastic, that I loved. Um, and one thing to keep in mind about these lists that we're going to go over are movies that I have actually legitimately seen. There's a lot of movies out there, a lot of movies I either haven't gotten to or I heard were great or I heard were terrible. I'd like to reserve my opinion until after I'd seen the movie, of course. So there, there might be some things not on the list just because I haven't seen it yet. I'm aware of it, but I just haven't seen it yet. Um, so to start, in 2018, we had so many great movies come out. And, you know, a few of those ones I've already reviewed. So if you guys have heard some of the past episodes, I won't be deep diving into these movies. I'm just going to reiterate them for the purpose of calling them out. Uh, such as, like, Hereditary, for example. One of my favorite movies of the year. Great, great, great movie. Just had a chance to rewatch it. Still holds up. It's even better a second and third watching because you pick up so many of the things that you either missed your first viewing or things that you've read about or called out after the fact. And it just, the movie makes more sense and it's more cohesive and it's almost more enjoyable, especially if you're watching it with people who haven't seen it yet. That's great just to watch their reactions as well, especially that last like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, so good. And yeah, you know, other ones that we reviewed previously that I'm, I'm still going to be talking about the endless again, a, a fantastic movie, um, kind of on the border of horror, sci-fi, weird kind of trippy, looping film, um, very amorphous. The characters are really interesting, and kind of what they go through 
is creepy and weird, and it links up with some of the the filmmakers' other films. Um, if you haven't seen those as well, it's kind of fun to kind of see where they plug into each other. Um, and I guess there's technically going to be another film that they're making that's going to be connected to this movie that they just announced recently. I can't remember what it's going to be called, but I'm super pumped for that because their their movies are always interesting, engaging, um, fun watches. Then there was The Ritual um, that was released a while ago. That was a Netflix original that was really good that we talked about. Again, just a really interesting movie in that, you know, standard dudes getting lost in the woods, issues of guilt, issues of just survival. But then you get this crazy occult ritualistic bizarreness at the end of the film that just kind of threw threw me for a loop. And I love the character and creature design, the, like, god of the forest that we run into that's really fucking bizarre at the end of that movie. I really love that. And I really just love the reactions and how the people interact with that thing towards the end of the, the film. Um, if you haven't seen The Ritual, definitely check it out. Um, another one of those ones where the end is really worth sticking around for. I know I've heard from some people that it was a little bit... Not slow, but it took a while to actually get to the point where you're hooked in and you're, like, ready to watch. But another one uh, I would definitely consider top tier that was released in the last year. Tragedy Girls was one that was released rather early in the year, but I've constantly been telling people about it. The actresses in the film do a great job of kind of just putting it right out there for you. Just... A couple of girls who want to be popular on social media, so they basically invent this blog called Tragedy Girls, where they comment on all the terrible things that happen in their town, like people people dying accidentally or people being murdered accidentally. And then you find out really early in the film it's just them going around killing all these people and then writing blog posts about it and just doing it for the you know, doing it for the vine essentially, like hashtagging things, building their social media brand and kind of building off those likes and everything and becoming popular because they're murdering people, but they're documenting it and making it seem like it's not them. It's really funny. Um, it's a great horror comedy. Uh, the twists and turns are not super involved, but I love all the characters in that film. And I definitely would recommend going to see tragedy girls or looking out for it. If you have the chance, um, another one similar mom and dad, not one, but two Nicholas cage movies on this list. Mind you, who thought that in 2018 we'd be talking about Nicolas Cage again? I mean, he's great. We all loved him in the Wicker Man remake. I mean, the, the scenes in that movie are iconic, quotable. He punches a woman dressed as a bear at one point, and it's just... We're not talking about Wicker Man, though. We're talking about Mom and Dad, um, another great movie with him. He plays Dad, and basically all the adults... Something happens where all the adults are triggered to basically want to kill their offspring. And so that movie is basically the kids trying to survive as uh, Nicolas Cage and Selma Blair are trying to brutally murder them. Fun kind of reverse Home Alone weird horror dynamic. Some some really brutal things happen in that film. And then the, the end of the movie, while it is... I don't know, like, it, it seems really... Like, you could have seen it coming a mile away, but then when it happens, you're like, oh, yeah, no shit, that makes sense. But it's still very satisfying, the ending of the film. I would love to see some sort of follow-up to that. I haven't heard if they are going to plan any kind of sequel, but I think that would be great. Really fun, sort of the world that they built and the whole, the idea of that thing sort of affecting people in a way where they have to kill their offspring. Great. I think it was really fun in that movie. 
And then there was Ghost Stories, which was one of our more recent uh, reviews, a British spooky kind of slow burn where we're not quite sure what's going on, but there's a paranormal investigator who's sent out to debunk lots of things and winds up getting wrapped up in a ghost story himself. The end of that movie is another mind-fucked, like the last 15, 20 minutes, you don't know what's going on, and it kind of just twists and turns into this weird sort of Twilight Zone served up for you from the beginning of the movie ending, and it's really great. If you want to hear more about that, definitely, like most of the movies I just listed, we have previous Fear Boner episodes on where I go in a little bit more in-depth. But the last movie on our list of great, films from this past year is another Nicolas Cage movie. I'm sure a lot of you have heard buzz about it, but Mandy, while not a pure horror movie, it is horrifying at times. It is a very trippy black death metal D&D revenge flick. There's so many revenge movies coming out that are kind of falling into the horror genre, and that's okay because this movie is very bizarre. It's very, I would say it falls into the sort of the weird horror revenge genre in that um, most of the movie is through a very trippy, drugged out lens in that you are basically introduced to uh, Nicolas Cage's character and his wife Mandy. They live this picturesque life up in the Pacific Northwest. He's a logger. She's an artist or a writer. Um, And they sort of live in this beautiful cabin in the woods and sort of live this idyllic life by themselves and it seems all really nice and then you're sort of slowly introduced to this band of weird kind of funkadelic culty people there's like older people younger people but you can tell they're all kind of on drugs and you can't tell what their motives are what they're going to do or what's going to happen and of course because you see them this duality between the peaceful family life of these two people who are just enjoying and loving each other and these like bizarre whacked out cultists you know that they're gonna wind up coming to a head and sure thing that's what happens not too much further in the movie i mean i know i heard from a lot of people they loved this film but the first half of the movie is very slow to build up to this but once it does get to the point where the cult and um, Nicolas Cage and Mandy are there, it just goes off the rails crazy. The cult leader is obsessed with Mandy, and he wants to—he basically plans to kidnap her. He hires this crazy mutant motorcycle gang to basically raid the house, chloroform her, abduct her, torture Nicolas Cage, and. From there, he basically tells Mandy, that he being the leader of the cult, tells her that he's like, oh, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I saw you on the side of the road, and I had to have you. And she's supposed to be impressed with this. And there's this crazy scene where he's basically before her wearing this giant feathery bathrobe, and he looks he looks just like Ric Flair. And I was waiting for him to give us a woo, but it didn't happen. But then he just goes on this crazy diatribe about how he's God and how he's so great and, you know, she should be happy to be with him and blah, blah, blah. And she's on so many drugs because they sting her with a a scorpion, I think it is, and they make her take these weird drugs. It's really scary because it's just like a like you, if you put yourself in her shoes, like what she went through in that film is just so awful. But then she's in this room surrounded by people all on drugs and all the colors are going crazy and everything's kind of blending and moving and like flashing and you kind of can't really get a feel for where people are in the room and he's saying these like weird semi-religious things and then all of a sudden he opens his bathrobe and there's his dick (laughs) and the same reaction i had is what 
Mandy did is she just starts laughing and she can't stop laughing and then he gets pissed off and then they kill her in the most awful way and they basically make Nicolas Cage watch as they burn Mandy alive in front of him and then from there you just know you know exactly what this movie is going to be from that point Nicolas Cage somehow survives being brutally tortured watching his wife be burned to death and just from that point he has a crazy recovery where he gets drunk and he's bleeding but he's in his underwear and he's screaming and he has some great Nicolas Cage moments where he's just screaming covered in blood and that's really enjoyable and kind of terrifying. There's a scene where he's in the living room and the TV is on on a commercial for a, a, a mac and cheese brand and we are introduced to the most important character in the entire film, the Cheddar Goblin, which is basically the best part of the film where we see there is a, a, a goblin eating mac and cheese but he's vomiting it into children's mouths. And it is the most craziest, bizarre, weird part in the movie because it totally offsets the mood of what just happened. Like, you just saw a woman be burned to death in a sack in front of this guy, and then we have Nicolas Cage in his underwear. There's blood, there's death, there's all this unpleasantness, like this almost weird rape scene that doesn't happen, but it's very threatening. And you're watching this movie, and it took so long to get to that point, so you're just kind of, like, really... You're really pent up. You're waiting for something to happen. And then you're introduced to the Cheddar Goblin. It's almost like a tension breaker. Because then it almost sets the mood for the rest of what you're about to see. Nicolas Cage goes into his metallurgy mode and basically smelts this crazy weapon. It's like an axe, sword, silver, steel thing. And he takes that with him and he's on his quest for revenge. And throughout the entire movie, the rest of the movie, he's basically just rolling crit 20s. He goes to get his other weapon from another character I don't think we were ever introduced to, but this old black man who lives in a trailer down the down the road gives him this crazy awesome crossbow. And then we're like, okay, Nick Cage, you have a giant crazy axe thing and this super awesome crossbow, and you're ready to kick some ass. Who are you going after first? Of course, he goes after the mutant motorcycle gang. And they're terrifying because the setup for that is also great because the the guy in the trailer is basically telling nick cage the origin story of this crazy mutant biker gang that got a hold of some like really messed up drugs and then after that they weren't right like they didn't feel pain anymore and they didn't think for themselves and they you know they were always angry and they didn't care and it basically sets you up for exactly what you see like when he winds up killing one of them and gets stuck in their headquarters and just from there it's just a a brutal slash fest where he's just crushing skulls, cutting off arms and legs, and there's a, a scene later on after he's dispatched the entire mutant motorcycle gang where he gets in a chainsaw fight. There's a chainsaw fight in this movie, and that part's awesome because he, he just has a chainsaw. He, so he gets rid of his other sword, like the, the axe thing that he made. That's the only gripe I have about the movie is that it seems like he went through a lot of trouble to actually make that weapon, and he doesn't really use it that much. But then he picks up a chainsaw, finds a guy... He decides to not rev the chainsaw until the guy sees him, which is weird, because then the guy, out of nowhere, picks up a chainsaw that's about, oh, I don't know, four times the size of his. It's like a huge logging chainsaw, so it's like a ten-foot-long blade or something crazy like that. And uh, they get in a chainsaw fight. Pretty great. That death is pretty cool. I think he gets he winds up kicking the guy down, and he falls on the giant chainsaw and splits in half. There's so many good kills in this movie, it's insane. But then from there... He winds up at the cult and sort of 
winds up dispatching all the people individually, and it's very it's very satisfying. Nicolas Cage gets his revenge. Mandy gets her justice. It does feel a little unresolved at the end, but it's still kind of a satisfying finish in that it was sort of presented to you. There's no actual happy ending here. It just ends because of the fact that he got what he wanted, but it's not really... Nothing will ever go back to the way that it was, which is unfortunate, but he still got justice, which is the key to this movie. And I probably should have said ahead of time, hey... Spoilers if you haven't seen Mandy, but uh, spoilers if you haven't seen Mandy. It's still a great movie. You should still go out of your way to see it. I was a huge fan of the director's previous movie, Beyond the Black Rainbow. If you haven't seen that, definitely check that one out too. But first, find Mandy and watch the hell out of it. Because even just for Cheddar Goblin, the movie's worth it. But the whole movie itself is incredible from start to finish. And I recommend it highly. If any movie is what we're actually reviewing in this episode, it would probably be Mandy, uh, because I couldn't get my shit together to actually put a Mandy episode out. But here we are. So with that, those are a handful of the best movies from 2018, in my opinion. Um, right now, we're going to go into some of the okay movies, which are still pretty good, still enjoyable. You know, like there's a lot of people, you know, some of them we did review and the guys over at Down in Front weren't big fans. There are movies that I think that I wasn't fully satisfied with, but I still enjoyed watching them. So to dip into our okay movie section, what we're going to start with is Upgrade. This was a fun sci-fi horror movie where basically the guy gets an AI put into his body because he gets into an accident and is basically, uh, his wife is killed and he is paralyzed. Um, because these guys attack him after his car crashes under dubious circumstances. And this AI that is put into his body allows him to take control of his body. The AI takes control of his body, and he's basically able to RoboCop his way through. And it's another revenge movie. It's a great transition from Mandy into this movie, because it is another intense revenge movie. But this sort of has a Twilight Zone sci-fi twist to it. Um, I'm not going to ruin that. I know the Down in Front guys did um, review this one a few months back. I wasn't able to be on that one because I hadn't seen it yet, but I saw it recently. I was really happy with it. I enjoyed the action. I enjoyed the kills. The story overall was pretty good, and the characterizations were great. So there's Upgrade. After that, there was Summer of 84. That was one that had been getting a lot of hype online. It was pretty fun. It's very derivative. The first few minutes in, you're basically going to be like, oh, shit. Every other thing in the introduction to this movie is basically just from Stranger Things or It. It's basically like It and Stranger Things. The It remake got drunk at a party and wound up hooking up and then pooped out Summer of 84. That being said, there's not weird upside downs. There's not crazy clowns, um, but it does have a very heavy boys on bikes in the 80s solving crime murder vibe. There's a there's a lot of stand by me in this movie. Like you can definitely tell what movies the the filmmakers were thinking of when they decided to write and create this movie. But it is real fun. You're going to recognize some of the actors from other films. Uh, it's basically about a group of kids in a town where suddenly it's found there's a serial killer who's basically going after boys their age. And they're all convinced that the serial killer lives in their town. And one of the boys in particular is convinced that it is the cop who lives across the street from him. And the thing about this movie is it keeps constantly trying to make you think that it's somebody else. 
or it's it keeps trying it does a pretty good job of like casting suspicion on other characters throughout the film but ultimately it's probably going to be the guy or girl that you think it was the whole time it's still fun i still enjoyed it i wasn't you know sick of it by the end of the movie i think it's great that they kind of set it up for a sequel i would be interested to see you know what summer of 85 is or you know whatever they wind up doing because i think it's done fairly well and it got pretty good critical acclaim so i'm interested to see what they do with the rest of that film and by rest of that film i mean sequel uh, if they do wind up making a sequel. And then there was a Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich. Now, this movie, I had pretty high hopes for it because I've always been a fan of the Puppet Master series. I believe this was technically the 13th film in the franchise? Correct me if I'm wrong, internet? But yeah, I actually did a deep dive after watching this movie because I was really thrown off. I wasn't aware that this was not a remake, it was a reboot. So when I watched the movie, and suddenly the story goes, Toulon, the puppet master, the original puppet master, and the puppets themselves were all Nazis, I was like, whoa, wait a minute. He was never a Nazi. The puppets were never Nazis. Did I miss something? Because I probably hadn't seen the last, like, four or five actual Puppet Master movies. So I went back and watched all 12 or so previous movies after I watched this one, and then found out via the internet that it was in fact a reboot so you don't have to watch all the other movies um although all the other movies are pretty great the first handful of them are pretty fantastic the stop motion is superb there's not a lot of that which is weird like in the newer movies they did a lot of weird like there's very little stop motion there's not even very like there's not a ton of cgi either it's just the way that they sort of puppet off screen and sort of dangle puppets and do all this weird shit instead I remember one of the ones that came out, I think, last year. One of the, like, Axis Elimination or Retribution, whatever the end of the Axis trilogy was. They actually did weird green screen effects where they had people, full-size people, dressed up as the puppet, just shrunk down on screen running around. And that was an interesting workaround, I guess. But come on, you got it. They're puppets. you got to do stop motion. Stop motion is the way to go. But again, Puppet Master Littlest Reich, you have an interesting cast, an interesting story, a great setup for a reboot. I'm really happy with how Fangoria kind of picked up and decided to help produce this film. And it's interesting the way that they handle it. But the puppet designs are great. Some of the ones that I've never seen before that they snuck in were kind of weird. Didn't really seem to make sense, but I'm glad that they stuck with a lot of the originals, although some of the ones like Jester and Six Shooter were missing, which was kind of upsetting, because those are two of my favorite ones from the original set of puppets. So hopefully if they continue this series, like it seems like they're going to, because literally the end of the movie is a to-be-continued, I hope they introduce more of the original puppets and maybe... They wind up doing the turn where they're not Nazis anymore, because I always kind of liked the puppets better when they were kind of anti-heroes. They were never really good guys, unless they were fighting Nazis, but like if they're still killing people, that's fine. But the best part of this movie, The Littlest Reich, are the death scenes, are the kills. The kills in this movie are incredible, over-the-top, crazy gore fest. There's one where a dude is peeing and he gets his head cut off while he's peeing in the toilet and then his head rolls into the toilet and he's peeing on his head hilarious and then there's one where uh this pregnant woman is sitting in bed watching something and one of the puppets just the driller i think it's the driller drills up into her drills out of her stomach with the baby and then runs away it's so it sounds awful but it's when you see it it's actually kind of funny it's one of those like good bad movies like 
some people would watch it and t- call it trash, but I really enjoyed it. Not as good as some of the original Puppet Master movies, but I'm interested to see what they do with it. All right. And then next up is Hellfest. I know the guys just reviewed that one. I know Warren wasn't a huge fan of it, but, you know, it's all right to be wrong sometimes, Warren. That's fine. It was fun for what it was. It wasn't as good as I was hoping, but, you know, some of the initial kills in the movie were entertaining. And, you know, the actors and actresses did an okay job. It wasn't super goofy. It wasn't super schlocky. It was, it's always good to see Tony Todd on the big screen. Like, even though he was only in the movie for five minutes, he was great. I did love the vibe of the movie. I like this whole, you know, idea of haunted houses or horror attractions as terrible, brutal places. Like the setup of having the first five to 10 minutes being like, oh yeah, there was a girl that was killed and left in there. And they thought she was a prop until she started to stink. Like that's a great setup. And you know, this is, I had a conversation with Sean uh, the other day, a friend of the podcast, he's been on a few episodes, who said, um, well, if you've seen Funhouse Massacre, which I had, it's very similar, but it's definitely like a lot better production value. So, you know, when I watched Funhouse Massacre, that's what I was thinking. I was like, man, I'd love to see this if it was actually done with, you know, a bigger budget and like some better actors and actresses. So if you saw that movie and kind of felt the same way that you were wanting more, definitely check out Hellfest. I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, and I'm interested to see what they wind up doing again. Like, I feel like I'm going to be saying that several times tonight because that one is also very easily set up for a sequel. And I feel like that's mark my words. I think that's going to be the new movie that we're going to be seeing every year. I think this time next year in October, we're probably going to see Hellfest two, or we're at least going to hear about it. And there'll be a Hellfest two, Hellfest three. I mean, he has what at the end of the movie we see, he has like six or seven masks. There's it's just, it's screaming for a sequel. Or several sequels. Who knows? And then there's The Nun. We did review that one. I was pleasantly surprised because after watching Annabelle Creation, I thought that the Conjuring universe was going in the wrong direction and was possibly already ruined. But The Nun was actually pretty enjoyable. I liked the the dumb setup. Everything was very in-your-face. Everything was very basic. Like, you could sort of see... Even though the movie is 99% jump scares, it's still very standard. Um, You can kind of tell where it's going. You can kind of tell what's going to happen throughout the film. But I did like the characters. I like the design. I like the set pieces. Yeah, it's a fun, it's a great date movie for sure. Uh, Especially in October. If you have a theater around you that's still showing it, go check it out. It's a great movie for the season. Yeah. Then there's Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel. I had the pleasure of being recommended to watch the original Hell House LLC because I had overlooked it. And it was streaming on Prime, so I watched it, and I enjoyed it, because I had recently saw, sort of going back into the idea of uh, more movies coming out that are based around like haunted attractions and things like that, like Hellfest, for example. Hell House is a haunted house that travels around, and in the first movie, we're introduced to a cast of characters, and they decide to throw their haunt into a really haunted hotel, And surprise, there's actually ghosts here and the ghosts kill them and, you know, it gets really weird and spooky and there's clowns for some reason. And, you know, I saw the first one rather recently and I wasn't necessarily thinking there was going to be a sequel, but then all of a sudden on Twitter I saw it blowing up and I just recently uh, subscribed to Shudder and they were all about it because they got the exclusive. So Hell House LLC 2, the Abaddon Hotel, is on Shudder exclusively. If you don't have Shudder, I definitely recommend it. It's only four or five bucks a month, or they have, I think they still have a promo going right now where you get a discount for signing up for a year, which is what I did, because it's a great, great deal. Um, And they have a lot of exclusive content, especially a lot of stuff coming down the line, especially in October, going to the holidays, they're going to have a lot of stuff coming out as well. 
But Hellhouse LLC 2 was not a sequel that I was expecting. It took me a day or two to watch it, and I saw a lot of the initial reactions online were negative. And, you know, I don't like to go into things based on what people think, but I was pleasantly surprised. I liked it. I think it's interesting. Again, I think they're going to be probably coming out with like either a prequel to the first one or a third movie. And I think I'm really excited about whatever they do either way. I love these kind of smaller budget productions. It does, It is a little hokey at times. Some of the interviews in the beginning are a little hokey, but you know, I kind of like what they do and some of the tricks that they pull. And you can kind of, you can sort of tell, like, there's big budget movies like Hellfest and then there's movies like Hell House, but they still really do a good job of, like, putting things together and, like, making an enjoyable movie. It's not shitty. Like, I know people will watch Hell House and say it's shitty, but it's not. They're entitled to have their opinion. That's fine. I really enjoyed it. I would definitely recommend watching it. But, of course, watch the first one first if you haven't. I think the first one's on Prime, might also be on Shudder. The second one's definitely on Shudder. Then there was Pie Wacket. Pie Wacket was kind of a tough call for me because it took a while for me to find it, to watch it, because I'd heard so many people talking about it. Standard possession movie, uh, a girl kind of hates her mom and winds up putting a, a curse on her because she's obsessed with like witchcraft and black magic and winds up getting a demon to possess her mom. And it gets like kind of weird at the end. And then it's just sort of, it, it was pretty standard. I don't think I was surprised by anything in the movie. I don't think anything scared me in the movie, um, but I liked the actresses and what they pulled off in the film. And I kind of liked kind of how brutal it was. Like it almost had like a weird kind of goodnight mommy end to it, which was interesting. But I know a lot of people love that movie. I was kind of on the fence. I decided to keep it in the okay category because it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad by any means. Um, but I don't know if I would recommend everybody to see it. It's, you know, it's a movie. It's out there. If you have the opportunity to watch it, sure. But I wouldn't necessarily recommend you go out of your way to see it. That's all. Devil's Doorway was one um, that I saw pop up everywhere and I had the opportunity to watch. I feel like it goes in the same category as The Nun in that it's, again, well... Not just because it's very religious-based horror movie, but it's it's interesting in that it's like, it's good, it's trying to do something really interesting, but it's very standard, like, there's a lot of jump scares, and it's not very, like, there's not anything that's shocking or surprising. But the, the interesting thing is, I think it is supposed to be in, like, the 60s or 70s, and these two priests get sent from the Vatican to this this nunnery, this convent, to inspect potential miracles, where... Um, basically all the Mary statues or one of the Mary statues in the convent has been t crying tears of blood as they are wont to do from time to time. And it's interesting. I love the dynamic between the older priest and the younger priest is great. The spooky mother superior character is she's such a bitch and she's perfect in the role. She's great. Uh, and then by the end, when it's they're kind of running around in these catacombs you see a, in the beginning you see sort of like a clip of the beginning of them getting lost in the catacombs and you're like oh shit there's gonna be like some spooky claustrophobic dark shots towards the end of this movie and it is and it's great but the interesting thing about this movie that i probably should have started with is that it is all first person camera footage which is weird which is what I was sort of getting into. It's the 60s or 70s, and there's a dude with, like, an old-school camera, so the entire movie is basically their recording. So it's almost like Wreck, like a movie like that. It's like found footage, essentially, which is interesting for a movie that takes place in the... supposed to be taking place in the 60s or 70s to be in the found footage category. So I think that's what makes it unique, and that's probably why I enjoyed it, because I have a soft spot for found footage films. But also, like, I feel like it, it blends a lot of genres really well. It blends, like, the religious horror the demon possession, found footage, into this nice, neat little package. 
and even though it's like pretty formulaic, it's still a fun watch. And yeah, so the last thing on my list of okay movies or stuff from this year is Castle Rock. Now, I had high hopes for Castle Rock from watching trailers or what I saw when I was at Comic-Con, but ultimately, you know, it really came down to the fact that it was Stephen King and J.J. Abrams just kind of mashing themselves together. Now, all the Stephen King stuff that was included in the season of Castle Rock was great. You know, the call-outs to all of his work and, like, sort of the threads that were being pulled there and kind of how they were getting, like, tighter and tighter towards the end. But all of the J.J. Abrams stuff, like the multiple universes and the mysterious vagueness and the things that weren't fully explained and the stuff that, like, the, the loose ends, not the threads that I was saying that Stephen King was pulling, but the loose ends that J.J. Abrams are purposefully pulling out of reach to to hopefully garner a second season with stuff is just very much frustrating. Like, I wasn't very happy with how he kind of put his own mark on it. Like, I'm glad that he worked on it because he is a very good filmmaker and he, he works very hard and you can tell that he's very much into the craft and he, he can handle horror and sci-fi, but I feel like that's where it sort of got lost for me was that all the horror stuff was great, but all the sci-fi stuff kind of got in the way, and it was sort of annoying, and it was sort of distracting. That's fine. I mean, there's potential for us to do a, a, a solo episode for Castle Rock in deeper depth down the line, which we might do just to review the entire season, but I wasn't as happy with it as I thought I was going to be. I still enjoyed it, so that's why it's on my list of okay things from the last year. And now that we have wrapped the good and the okay, we are now going to be diving into the deep end, the deep shitty end of movies that were utterly disappointing this year. And you've probably heard me talk about our first entry into this list of disappointments, Slenderman. I am upset that I actually paid to go see that movie. It was garbage. It was so bad, it probably should have just been a video on demand, a video release. It shouldn't have been in the theater. Maybe they should have released it this month, and maybe more people would have gone to see it, but God, it was awful. It was so terrible. Sorry, not sorry. Slenderman was a waste of time. Then there's also Day of the Dead Bloodlines. Uh, I did a review of that and how awful it was. If you want to hear my full rage at that movie considering that it was the last movie that George Romero worked on before he passed, is a is a big, unfortunate disappointment. Then while we were in San Diego for Comic-Con, we had a couple of uh, early nights where we left the con. Not, we didn't leave the con early, but we had a, a bit of time to actually watch movies while we were out there. And we watched two back-to-back in one night, and they were both pretty awful. And they both are new, and they came out this year. One of them is Open House, uh, I think is a Netflix original or Netflix exclusive or something. God, that movie was bad. Like, it's a big-budget, big-production movie, like a horror-ish kind of movie, but it doesn't make any sense. And there's so many parts in the movie where I'm just like, well, it would have been better if you did this, or it would like the ending would have made more sense if you did this, but they don't. And I'm not even going to explain it. I'm just going to tell you that, like, it's exactly what you think it is. It's a movie called Open House where they're trying to sell a house, and they have an open house, and then somebody sticks around in the house and kind of stalks them. And it's very, again jump scary weird standard bullshit but then the ending is so frustrating it's just so dumb they set up all these things and you're just like well oh okay well this is this is gonna happen or oh oh okay this is how the movie's gonna end i I really hope that's not how the movie ends and then it does and it sucks open house sucks it was really bad and then there was also zombie spring breakers which i think is a british production but it's exactly what it sounds like it's a bunch of british 
kids going to Ibiza to uh, celebrate spring break. Um, and there's a zombie outbreak that occurs. And it's really trying very, very hard to be like Shaun of the Dead, which many, many things have tried and nothing will ever be as good as Shaun of the Dead. But Zombie Spring Breakers was especially bad. Not as bad as Open House. So it was kind of great that we watched that after Open House because it was kind of like a little bit of an upturn, but it's still pretty, it still sucked pretty hard. Uh, the characters are obnoxious. I wanted them all to die. Unfortunately, not all of them died, but it's just, it's a dumb movie. I, I mean, if you have time to kill and you don't have anything better to watch, but again, like this, we're almost at an hour at this point and I, I'm nowhere near through my list of especially the stuff coming out that looks like it's going to be real good. There's so much better stuff to watch out there, especially if you're very focused on horror content. There's so much better horror to watch than zombie spring breakers. And now the next couple are basically going to be some that I had like high hopes for that come from like really strong rooted horror series that were just unfortunately not Good. The first of which is the sequel to Strangers that was released earlier this year, Strangers Pray at Night. Now, it took me a while to finally get around to watching this because I had heard mixed reviews and like I liked the first one because when that came out, it was sort of, I'm not going to say original, but it did a lot of good things well. It did the whole based on a true story thing, convincing people of that, and then also having a big budget high-produced, mainstream horror movie do that well with someone like, I think it was Liv Tyler, right, was the main character. And it also sort of introduced the concept of having that Where's Waldo long shot of hiding the terrifying thing in the scene in the movie, which sure had been done in other movies in the past, but this was the first time it was brought in front of a, a much broader, wider audience. And so... I think that opened up a lot of things for horror in general, the first movie, and that's why it's so so storied in a way, like more people talk about the original Strangers, but unfortunately, Pray at Night comes very short. You just really don't care about any of the characters, none of them are developed well, they're almost killed in the wrong order, and the characters that you do care about are just kind of bumped off and not really, like there's no real, there's no real cost to it, there's no real, there's nothing that comes from them being killed, like... You don't know who they are. You don't know who's killing them. The kills aren't even that good. It's just really like it's not like the tension's not even there from the first one. The claustrophobia is not even there from the first one because claustrophobia is key. Like having that feeling of being stuck in a tiny space in a house, but this is literally just them running over. Like they're in a trailer park and they're running between trailers and they're running around a pool and they're running. Like they're just everywhere. They could have gotten away at any point. And it's just so dumb. And the actors and actresses in the in the movie do a good good enough job. Like what what's her face? The the redhead from Mad Men is in it, and she looks great, and she plays a really good mom, a really hot mom. But she's like the first to die, and it's like I would have very much rather had her be the survivor than her dumb daughter. I feel like the writers didn't know what to do with the script and just kind of like were throwing darts and seeing what stuck to the wall, and. They just wanted an IP, like Strangers, to make like a creepy movie and just kind of laid it over top of a script that already existed and it was just done. That was it. They called it a day after figuring out that's how they were going to do it. It just, it feels very disjointed um, and it was uh, utterly disappointing and yeah, I would recommend avoiding it. Um, the next one is Hellraiser Judgment, I believe was the subtitle. Now, Hellraiser is a another series, much like Puppet Master, that is near and dear to me because I love 
Clive Barker, and I love the first few movies. I've seen all the movies. Obviously, the first, like, two or three are really good. Some of them get very ridiculous, the different Cenobites and how they kill people. But, like, you're in it for the kills by the end there. You know, like, the kills are very creative and inventive, and the tortures and the, the punishments are always, like, over the top, and that's awesome. But that has almost disappeared from this movie. Like, the beginning, like, I had such high hopes. Even, like, not even just going in, but, like... Because the last one that they did before this was really bad. But this one was actually, I think, written and directed by a guy who did a really great Hellraiser fan film from a few years back. I think it was Hellraiser Armageddon, where it's basically like what the Cenobite, like what Pinhead and the Cenobites are doing at the end of the world. Like what happens when everybody's dead? Like what do they have? And it's really interesting and it's like really good, especially for a fan film. So he's writing and directing this movie, I believe. And he's also one of the main characters in the film, one of the other... I don't know if he's technically a Cenobite. The beginning of this movie has lots of promise. Like, there's really gratuitous gore, really gratuitous nudity, really gratuitous just, like, gross out. Like, there's a scene where... What is it? The the one guy has to, like, eat the vomit that comes from the girls that are sort of, like, prophesying who's next to be punished when the guy eats the book. None of that makes sense to what I just said, but, like, the first 15 to 20 minutes of this movie are, like, over-the-top, insane, crazy, looks like they're going to set up, like, a great fucking movie, like, a really good, like, the first really good Hellraiser movie in a really long time, and then we basically get a regurgitated version of Jigsaw. It's almost the exact same storyline as Jigsaw, the rest of the movie, and it's utterly disappointing, very formulaic, very obvious. Like, there's no twist. Like, you just know there's, like, a serial killer and it winds up being a cop. And you just know the whole time. And it's not surprising. It's not good in any way. And it's just, like, why, again, like, it just feels like... It's a it's a shame because the guy was very capable and that he made that fan film. And, like, the beginning of the movie's really great. And it feels like they let him do what he wanted to do. But then, then it feels like he'd been sitting on this weird script for a while. And it was, like, bitter because they released jigsaw first and then he's like well i'm still gonna do it but i'm just gonna drop the hellraiser ip on top of it like a tablecloth and see what like happens and it sucked and that was unfortunate i mean that one like i would recommend watching the first 15 20 minutes and then just shutting it off you don't even have to know what happens after like if the, the basically the guy gets tortured and then he escapes and like you can just stop it there you can just think oh okay he escaped because then it's not even worth finding out if they get him or not in the end it's not all right, and the next one was one I found randomly. It's called The Barn. I guess there's a, there's actually, I don't want to confuse this with, there's two or three movies that actually came out this year called The Barn. This one in particular was a very low-budget movie that was basically about a urban legend of a barn where if you knock on the door on Halloween, like three evil spirits come out and chase you down and will kill anybody not wearing a mask essentially, and it seemed like it was going to have promise. It's basically shot and presented and made in a way that's supposed to look like a schlocky 80s film, um, which is interesting. It's an interesting presentation, but ultimately, like, the kills are kind of fun, but it, it just never redeems itself by the end of the movie. And the end of the movie, there's some scenes that just actionably don't make any sense. Like, there's no way, like, a, a kill or, like, a, an evasion or something that happens towards the end of the movie make any sense. And then it just gets frustratingly long, and then I just wanted it to end, and then some of the character dynamics get really mixed up and weird towards the end of the movie, so I think the writing wasn't really that strong. But yeah, The Barn was kind of a disappointment because it seemed like it was going to be really good and then finished very weak. And then a surprise addition to the bad movies, because I, I, this one was sort of... I was on the fence about for a while. Terrifier. 
Yeah, the one with the, the crazy clown from the All Hallows Eve movies. A lot of people are saying they love it. I didn't really like it. I thought the acting was really weak. The clown is is great and creepy, but he's just too all over the place. He's just too, like, he's like, first I'm going to stab you, then I'm going to cut you in half with a saw, and then I'm going to shoot you. And then, like, he just, like, he doesn't have a focus. Like, he seems like a, like a, he doesn't seem like a serial killer. He doesn't seem like a slasher. He seems like a spree killer, but he seems like a, I don't know what I'm doing. And, the, like, maybe that's supposed to be the terrifying part of Terrifier, but it just, it seems almost like you're walking through a wax museum when you get to the part that they always have that's, like, the different kinds of torture, for some reason, is always part of a wax museum. And this is just, in every case, there's just a clown there doing it. It's like, oh, well, then they draw it and quartered people, and then they hung people, and then they poked people, and then they, like, did this to people. And, like, that's what this movie felt like. But then, again, there's this weird switch halfway through the movie where you think the one girl's gonna be the main girl, and then she just gets killed, and then her sister or somebody shows up, and then you think she's gonna be the main girl, and then... It's just, it's too, there's no focus in this movie. I would say watch All Hallows Eve 1 and 2, which are both much better movies than Terrifier, and maybe if you're really, like I watched Terrifier all the way through, I know a couple of my friends couldn't even get through the first 20 minutes of Terrifier. If you really want a good, crazy, over-the-top, gory movie, sure, watch Terrifier, but I wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Um, Again, there's a lot better movies out there. Unfortunately, this one just didn't really meet the expectations that I was hoping for. And now I was just going to buzz through a quick list of movies that I'm aware of, uh, have come out, have gotten great reviews, and I just haven't gotten around to seeing, but I'm really kind of excited for and I do want to see. The Night Eats the World is apparently a great new fresh take on zombie horror, which I really want to check out sometime. The Ranger, I hear, is doing great in the festival circuit. A bunch of punk kids get chased around by a creepy park ranger. Boarding School looks to be a film about kids surviving in a creepy boarding school what keeps you alive is some ladies basically surviving in the woods maybe that's oversimplifying it but i almost want to go into that one knowing less (laughs) dead night kind of had some evil dead vibes when i watched the trailer looks pretty creepy a little schlocky trench 11 i'm actually pretty excited about with uh, Overlord coming out, and also Frankenstein's Army is one of my favorite movies from the past few years. Uh, so any sort of weird, fucked up World War II Nazi strangeness, um, I'm really into. And Possum is one uh, that just looks creepy as all hell. I think it's black and white. I might be wrong if I'm remembering the wrong movie, but that one I read a uh, description of recently and saw the trailer, and it looked really creepy. So yeah, those ones I guess are already out and I can't wait to watch them. I'll probably potentially be reviewing them if I do get around to watching them. So there might be an episode about one or two or more of those coming down the pipeline. Like I said previously, I I want to get on a better schedule of getting you guys more content more regularly. So be on the lookout for those. And with that, we have a few movies that are coming down the pipeline. Some soon, some probably not for a while, but we're still super pumped about them. For one, the new Halloween movie is coming out before the end of this month, and I'm so excited about it because it looks creepy as hell. Jamie Lee Curtis looks amazing as always, and she's going to kick some major ass. So I'm super pumped on Halloween. I already hear it's getting some great reviews. Unfortunately, I missed the premiere in Salem the other day. I was really hoping to get out there, but I had some other plans. Um, But yeah, I heard the advanced reviews of it are pretty incredible, so... That's exciting. Uh, The Apostle is actually coming to Netflix soon, and that looks 
incredible. It's the it's from the director who did the Raid movies, um, but he's doing like weird occult horror stuff now. And um, yeah, super pumped on that one because it looks super creepy. The Haunting of Hill House is a series, I think, that's going to be on Netflix coming soon. I think it's coming this month sometime. Uh, that looks like it's already getting some some positive reviews, but also looks like it's going to be creepy as hell. Um, and yeah, some other things that I know about that are coming out, probably not soon, but Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which at first was a rumor, but Guillermo del Toro has said that it's in production. Super pumped on that. Super pumped to see what he's going to be doing, because y'all know that I love some Guillermo del Toro. And... Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark was never a thing for me as a child, because as a child I wasn't into horror or creepy things. Like, I liked Halloween, but I liked the candy, I didn't like the creepiness, and I never liked horror movies until I was probably in high school or college. But I gave a listen through the narration of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark in the last couple years, probably, for the first time, and I think that is going to be a really weird movie, and I'm super excited about it, and especially that Guillermo's working on it. Us is uh, Jordan Peele's next movie, and that's going to be incredible either way because, you know, Get Out was so incredible, and I'm super pumped to see what he's doing. I mean, he's got his his arms out there grabbing so many things right now. He's got Twilight Zone. He's got... What else did he do recently? But he's just he's just doing it. After Key and Peele, he can do no wrong. Like, I love the fact that he's so into horror, and this movie... So far, it's they've been very tight-lipped. They're not... Like, nobody's really sure what it's going to be about. I've heard... One description that it's basically a, a couple, one black couple and one white couple go on a couple's retreat and shit happens. But we'll see. So I'm super excited about that to see what they do and see what it's about. Slaughterhouse Rules with a Z looks to be a uh, another horror comedy coming down the line, um, a UK film with the two gentlemen from Shaun of the Dead in it. Basically a sinkhole shows up behind a boarding school and creepy creatures come out and start killing kids and they sort of have to save the day kind of i've only just recently heard about that and i watched the trailer the other day and it looks like it's going to be a fun one probably a little creepy a little funny like you know the same sort of vibe as Shaun of the dead um so that should be enjoyable then we got the exciting news finally 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 apparently they are going to be making zombieland 2 with the original cast now Zombieland 1 is amazing. It still holds up. It is still incredible. They made that piss-poor Zombieland TV show where they tried to recast all the characters and it sucked. But Zombieland 2, I am super pumped on. Super pumped on. The remake of Suspiria. Now that's actually coming out in the next month or so. I think it comes out November. That one I'm actually super excited about because it looks legit. It looks like it's actually going to be a really great remake. It looks like the filmmaker is handling it with much respect, with an earnest intention to make a movie that lives up to the original, while also making it creepy as hell. And the casting is incredible. So again, you've heard, you guys have heard me talk about that one before. I'm super excited about that one. Doctor Sleep uh, is actually essentially the follow-up to The Shining. It's a sequel to The Shining, a book that Stephen King put out, I think, last year, the year before. But it's following the continuing adventures of Danny Torrance as a as an adult with the shining ability. I think it's going to be played by Ewan McGregor is going to be playing adult Danny Torrance. So that'll be interesting. It already sounds like it's going to be pretty creepy. Now, this is a pretty Stephen King heavy list, actually, now that I'm looking at it. They're remaking Pet Cemetery, and they've only just started releasing uh, stills from that production, and it looks like it's going to be pretty great. Could go either way, though. You never know with Stephen King adaptations. But either way, Pet Cemetery remake could be pretty fun. 
It Part 2. Obviously, it was a big one for us last year. It was, again, handled very well for a remake. And it was, you know, if anything needed a remake, it was probably It. I'd love for them to do other television special Stephen King stuff, like The Stand. I'd love to, ooh, I'd love to see them make like a two-part Stand movie or something. But um, yeah, It Part 2. Can't wait. I've seen some of the production stills from that. and It looks pretty, pretty creepy. So super excited about that. And yeah, so again, we mentioned it previously, Overlord, even though this is a potentially supposed to be linked to the Cloverfield universe, I'm excited to see what they do with it. I mean, I have my theories as to how it's going to be linked to the Cloverfield universe, but as far as like a horror movie goes, it looks like it's going to be pretty great. And again, like I said, I love that weird sort of World War II Nazi creepiness that goes on too. And that first trailer with ACDC was pretty dope. Let's see, Quiet Place 2, they announced that earlier in the year with the uh, the success of the first movie. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it, if it's just going to be the mother and daughter kind of going around, and the, the baby, I guess. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they do the same cast of characters, or if it'll just be like in the world with the creatures. But I did really love the hell out of the original Um, And it'll be interesting to see what they do with a sequel. Again, I don't think they've announced any sort of time frame on that. Let's see. Into the Dark will be interesting as hell because Hulu has basically guaranteed that there'll be a, a different horror movie out every month for the next year. And so they've already released The Body. Uh, which I haven't gotten around to seeing yet, but I'm hoping probably maybe tonight or tomorrow we'll probably have a review of that. Or we'll watch it, and then I, I'd like to do a review depending on if it's good or not or what have you. But yeah, they're going to have another horror movie out next month and the month after that. And I think that idea is awesome, and I really look forward to seeing what Hulu puts out for Into the Dark. Then there's Pontypool Changes, which um, of all the lists of upcoming horror movies that I dug through for this. Um, There are a lot that are just speculation, but apparently this one's already listed as being in production. So that's super exciting. Pontypool was a movie from a few years back, uh, a Canadian production that I really loved. It's, it's like a, it's a, a a favorite of mine um, that not, I don't think as many people have seen it, but it's a, it's about a, a disease that basically affects the brain and turns people into these weird, violent, they're not zombies, but maybe like rage monsters because they can't like language. It's basically like a virus that affects language. And when people hear certain words, they just kind of go crazy. And the first movie takes place entirely in a radio station. And it does this great thing where you don't see all the violence and gore. You do see some of it, but like most of it is literally just people calling in and describing it, which makes it almost more creepy and weird. And I'm super... For the hundredth time, I'm super excited to see what they do with this movie. If if Pont- the the tentatively titled Pontypool Changes comes out, I'm excited to see it. The House That Jack Built with Matt Dillon and Uma Thurman, a Lars von Trier movie. Um, now, I haven't seen the last few of his movies because they've either seemed way too intense for me or just not my cup of tea. But this one, basically documenting the years active of a serial killer... Looks amazing. The trailer that I watched the other day looks incredible. I love Matt Dillon. I love Uma Thurman. I think this will be what gets me back into Lars von Trier. And uh, I'm excited about that one. So yeah, definitely check that one out or look it up if you haven't heard about it. Anna and the Apocalypse is going to be a real interesting one come Christmas. Because it is, I believe it's a Christmas movie. It's a musical. And it's basically, I, I believe it's a zombie movie. 
I, I found out, I learned way too late that they apparently showed it at San Diego Comic-Con, and then I started hearing about it, or maybe they showed the trailer for it, I can't remember. They did something with it at Comic-Con, but I didn't hear about it until after the con. But I've heard a lot of buzz around it recently, and I think it'll be a fun movie to watch for the holidays. Um, so that one's one to look out for. And then Tigers Are Not Afraid is one that is a... it's. You wouldn't expect it to be on my list because it's mostly cast by children, but I'm getting some some severe Devil's Backbone vibes from this one in that it's a it's a bunch of kids, I believe in Mexico, that are basically like trying to live on the streets and like creepy shit happens and there's there's a tiger or like one of them has like a like a, a stuffed tiger that he thinks is like real. And yeah, I watched a trailer. I don't think I've seen an English trailer. I saw a Spanish trailer, so I'm still not entirely sure what's going on because my Spanish isn't 100%. But it looked creepy and good and reminded me of a lot of old Guillermo del Toro movies, so pumped on that. Looking forward to that one. And that... Wow, we really buzzed through that list. Yeah, again, there's just so much horror. Like, good, bad, ugly. Like, there's okay horror. There's stuff that's just fun to watch. And then there's just stuff you can watch over and over and over again. Then there's stuff that's so good, you watch it, and you're like, ooh, it's going to take me a while. Like, I thought I wasn't going to be able to watch Hereditary for a year. But then when I watched it the second time with a group of friends who hadn't seen it, oh, man, that's the best experience. But then sometimes, you know what I mean. When you watch a movie and it's so good, but it's so, like, that you're like, I can't, I don't think I could ever get myself to watch that again for like a year. I still haven't watched Raw again. I gotta get on that though. But there were a couple scenes in that movie that just like really grossed me out, which doesn't really ever happen to me, but I do need to watch that movie again. But there's so much to look forward to, dear listeners. Please, as I said before, reach out and tell me what you're looking forward to. You can always reach out to fearbonersdifp at gmail.com. You can email me directly and tell me what you're watching, what you're looking forward to, what you're most excited about. Uh, Tell me what you think about some of the movies that we've already covered. Or if you think that some of the movies I said were good were total garbage, I'd love to hear that too. Or if you think that I shat on one of your favorite movies, please tell me. I'd love to be convinced that these movies are good as well. I, I will listen to anybody's opinion. But yeah, again, I just want to reiterate... Guys, it's been a great year. You know, I've I've released several of these episodes with the help of my buddies at the Down in Front podcast. You know, Warren and all of them have been so great and so gracious and kind to help me put these episodes out for you, and I really appreciate it. This has been a great adventure. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep forging forward, watching more horror movies, good ones, shitty ones, all, everything in between. Um, as long as we can find it, we'll watch it. And yeah, you know, I just want to I want to introduce you guys to more movies, more content, more people. We've had so many great friends on the show as well. You met Sean, you met Maddox, you met Chrissy, you met Che. We're going to get more people on, more guests. Definitely thank all those people as well for their contributions and listening to my dumbass talk about movies that I love. And I appreciate them coming on and uh, helping to sort of preach the satanic gospel of wonderful horror movies. Um, So thank you guys very much. And yeah, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to be putting out so much more content in the coming year going forward. We'll be here next year and hopefully the year after that. So, many thanks. That's going to be a wrap for us. Fear Boners, I have been Andrew. And if you like what you've heard, you can find more over on downinfrontpodcast.com. We also have a Facebook page over on facebook.com backslash downinfrontpodcast. You can also email the Down in Front guys directly at the crew at downinfrontpodcast.com. 
We also have a YouTube channel where we post some of our video teasers as well as full episodes. You can look for us on there. We also have the Gamescast over on Twitch where sometimes you'll see Bryland or maybe Warren and myself playing some Monster Hunter or Spider-Man or what have you, just shooting the shit. You can find that over at twitch.tv backslash downinfrontpodcast. We also have an Instagram where we post a lot of the art from our episodes, the title pages, as well as links directly to the episodes. You can follow us there to keep you up to date. All of these places, as well as Twitter at underscore DIFP or at FearBonersDIFP, we will constantly keep you updated with new content when we release new things. Or you can also go back and look at our back catalog. We're well over 100 episodes at this point, so there's so much listening for you. If it's a new movie, if it's an old movie, classic movie, we have an episode for you at this point that you're probably going to want to listen to if you haven't already heard it. And also, 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 you guys have heard me say this a few times already, but goes without saying, we love you. We love having this ongoing conversation, and we do it absolutely for free. But if for any reason you feel like you'd love to contribute and help us make sure that we get this content out to you on time, then take a look over at Patreon at patreon.com backslash down in front podcast. You can potentially sign up to uh, dedicate a dollar, five dollars a month, what have you. Even a dollar helps. Like an Arizona iced tea, the price is on the can. Every little bit helps us to get this content out to you on time, fresh and delivered to your ears, whether it be on your lunch break, on your commute to work, from work what have you. We'd love to have you listen to us wherever you are, even if it's on the toilet. That doesn't bother us. Just don't tell us about it. So anyway, thanks again for listening. We'll be back sooner rather than later. And as always, keep it creepy and stay spooky, dear listeners. Dear listeners.